Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. I'm actually calling for relationship advice. Yay! Oh, all right. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I have a group of friends, and I used to agree with them on a topic, and I've changed my mind on that topic. And now it seems like I can't discuss anything even tangentially related to that topic without sort of setting them off and making them angry at me. And it's true that, um, like, I want to share the information I have on this topic, but it appears to be um, alienating me from my friends, and I don't know how to, this, this group of friends includes my best friend, and um, I don't know how to not sound like a jerk when I'm talking about this stuff and putting people on the defense, and, but I still want to share the things that are important. Well, I do actually have, have some advice ideas? about that. I would say that you've already explained to them your position, and they've explained to you yours, and now it's time to start promoting your thing instead of putting their thing down all the time, because I think that that's how they feel. I think they do. I think they feel like I'm putting down whatever they say, even though I try to say, you know, their idea is right for certain people. If what we're talking about is, was I a sufficient activist in the state of New Hampshire? You would have to um, first ask, what are the rest of the activists? What are most of the free staters like? So I would claim that I'm in the top 10% of um, activists there. You know, I've taken cases to trial. I have... Hmm. Um, uh, been elected three times as a delegate to the state convention. I've testif testified before the state house. I mean, you know, I lived there for 15 years, so I can, you know, I can have done one thing per year and still <laughs> sound like I've done a lot. Um, but compared to that person and a small handful of other people, um, there's no way I can ever achieve like in amount of activism, not success. Because, um, you know, I would argue that there isn't a heck of a lot of success. Um, there's, there's a, you know, a few enumerated things here and there. And, you know, ultimately, um, you know, life isn't going to be much different, ultimately. Like, for instance, um, the ability to ride a motorcycle without a helmet with my gay lover while smoking uh, a joint is a useless right to me. <laughs> because I'm not going to do any of those things. I've been very aware of these communications. And I am a supporter and, and by the way, it has to have been really difficult for you for, to have uh, not been able to address them personally with me while I sort of called in with Aria and these sorts of things. Because you certainly are my target audience on that. Well, I'm a um, supporter of uh, what you're doing. I, I think it's uh, it's something you've, you find very important. And you've spent the last roughly half a decade, I think, of your life researching uh, special economic zones and looking and traveling to many of these potential uh, locations and meeting with other people of a similar interest. And and you truly believe in this. And, and I, I really do hope that you can find this great place and or create uh, this great place. Uh, I think it's an interesting project. However, I do have my uh, criticisms of it. And I think that you're trying to recruit people primarily just, just to come to your concerns that you expressed in the last segment to specifically address those. I think the people you're trying to recruit who you believe are wasting their time 
are a different target audience than who you're really looking for. Don't we all want liberty in our lifetimes? Isn't that the tagline? Um, I kind of feel like I'm, 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 I'm certain, uh, in fact, that uh, there won't be liberty in New Hampshire because of a couple of things. A, the Free State Project is never about uh, secession, and all y'all seem to think secession's possible. Well, yeah, because the Free State I, Project can't uh, make a political stance because they're a nonprofit. The Free State Project can't do that. But lots of people who are part of the Free State Project filled an entire conference room uh, three or four days ago that Ian and I uh, went to and were cheering on secession and all Axelman and uh, this guy from Texas and... Um, Carla Garrick talking about it. Uh, you're talking about the uh, Liberty Forum. I don't want to get lost in the issues here, Mark. Mm. I, I want to focus mm. at the the general look at goals here. So you would, you did agree yep. with my okay. summation, and that is that you want to get away from the United States, go to a place where yep. you believe you have relative freedom by comparison, and live out the rest of your life. And you'd agreed with that. Well, I don't want to do that. I think that that is the best solution for somebody who actually claims liberty. For me, um, I'm a little better off financially, and um, I can do some traveling, so I want to travel. When you're talking with someone who might have different goals than you, then it's going to be hard for them to uh, appreciate where you're coming from because they may interpret what you're saying as you know, irrelevant to them because they don't feel like you're, you have the same goals. And, and what I mean by that is you're referring to a project of encouraging people to move into perhaps a special economic zone or a place on the planet that you believe is more free. Uh, and you may have some evidence that it's, it's more free than, than the United States. I don't know if that place has been announced yet, but it's something you've been, you've been looking for. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to um, talk about it. I've acquired the, the location um, or in, I represent an organization that has acquired the, uh, the location. So I'm happy to talk about uh, it's called the Coral Beach on the island of Utila in the Bay Islands. But I honestly don't believe that Coral Beach is right for everybody. I, in fact, believe that people should um, actually. Like people actually need to step down and not take advice from leaders, but instead look at their own lives and say, okay, what's best for me? Because I b- firmly believe that New Hampshire is right for some types of people. And I've enumerated those types of people um, at least once. What happens is people get their eyes set on one thing. And then as far as bills go, they just lose sight of everything else. So they kind of sell themselves out on other things within the bill and they just lose sight of the big picture and i think that's what happened that was more than likely what happened with that particular bill it's crazy because there were so many good marijuana bills sorry we are totally changing the subject well i mean i I definitely understand mark's criticism here and i think that's just something that you're going to deal with anywhere anywhere where there's a libertarian uh significance where there are actually a lot of libertarians which is here in new hampshire and there's nowhere else like it anywhere else because libertarians fail everywhere uh, except for New Hampshire, you're going to have those power seekers. You're going to have the power corrupting people. So, I mean, that's just part and parcel of a growing, successful libertarian movement. Uh, the other part I'm going to disagree with here is your your number one point, saying that only people from New England should move to New Hampshire. It's a ridiculous statement. Uh, there are people who have moved here from as far away as California, some from as far away as Russia. Well, and I other think places. that what he would say is that they're the fighter type. 
I don't know if that's true at all. I think there's a lot of like families and stuff yep, that have absolutely. moved here from California. We have that little that little kid, that ten year old boy that's been calling the show mm-hmm. on Friday nights, uh, and his family moved from California and, and they love it here. There's this idea uh, that you know when you have new data, you come up with a new opinion about something. So we have new data with relation to the Utila project. Uh, first of all, it's you know now it's a real place. It's not just free private cities concept. You know, uh, at least there's a real place, right? That's a good step forward for Mark. Uh, at least he's doing something, right? You know, we might all might not all agree with it, but at least he's doing something instead of just talking about it. But the third thing, and this is really important now, unfortunately, is that now we have the nuclear bogeyman going loose. It looks like uh, with a high, relatively high risk of nuclear war over the next few months, and. Um, you know, even if the current crisis doesn't result in that, we still have the Taiwan crisis coming up. So, um, or at least it appears we do. So uh, it's pretty obvious that Utila would be a, probably a safer place than New Hampshire current and the, the current uh, paradigm. Uh, so that's that's another point in favor of Mark. So you know, who knows? All right, are you planning on moving down there, the Dave? Oh no, I would not. I would not move to Utila. No. Oh, but why not? Dave, what if you were given a job uh, chron- chron- uh, chronicling uh, the early history of Coral Beach through videography? I guess I might consider it, but I don't think I don't have a passport. I don't even know if I'd be allowed to have one. So a special economic zone can be anything, right? So we have opportunity zones uh, throughout the United States where you can uh, divert uh, capital gains by investing in crappy neighborhoods. Um, so that could be called a special economic zone, but um, it's generally not accepted at the acceptable level. There are currently in the, in the world more than 6,000 special economic zones. They probably should just rename them economic zones because they're not special if there's 6,000 of them. <laughs> and um, what, is being, what has been proposed in Honduras, the ZEDE, is um, what I refer to as a special autonomous zone. And it seems to me unlikely that the first special economic zone in America um, that probably wouldn't even be allowed by the federal government would somehow rise to the level of ZAs, where one can have one's own civil law, one's own police department, one's own, um, you know, just in in these zones, um, you know, you've got your own court system, uh, a whole variety of things that make them highly autonomous compared to uh, special zones elsewhere. Well, Mark, you have to realize that that the states are sovereign and that, that, they, that they are republics and that their constitutions guide the bulk of, of the law within that jurisdiction. I've always been supportive of Mark in in this project. I want him to find this place, and I I want it to work out. I think it'd be great if New Hampshire had some competition. Uh, And if he thinks it is going to be possible for people who are of lesser means than Mark, because he's fairly well off, having done very well with uh, the the Bitcoin, thanks to uh, Roger Veer and Bitcoin.com and their sponsorship over years, uh, to me, it always seemed like a rich man's project, and like you know, if, if the average person can't duplicate it, if you can't be anybody and participate, to me, that's that's a that's a real mark against it. 
So if he's trying to to make it so average folks can participate, I think that's an important thing to do. That said, not everyone wants to move to an island. Not everyone's career is going to be in a, like one of the objections to New Hampshire sometimes is they don't have my career. And there's a there's 1.4 million people living in New Hampshire. So you figure, oh, well, we got it all. No, not necessarily. There are still some some careers that you might have to, like, work in Boston or something like that. Or maybe you maybe there's not even in North New England at all. I mean, that's a pretty rare objection. But I have heard it from people that, well, my my career doesn't doesn't transfer up there. There's nothing that I can do. And so if that's a problem with with New Hampshire at 1.4 million population, it's going to be a problem way more with an island with several thousand people, maybe. What about the average people in Mexico who cannot just pay off the cops, who are being abused by those police? Because we know police abuse people in the United States. They sure as hell do it everywhere else because cops aren't any different anywhere else. They're all just a bunch of power mongering. I mean, maybe not all of them. There are some that probably aren't in it for the power, but there's plenty that are. And they are majority. Going to, and they're going to wield it on those people. And I remember hearing um, there was a taxi driver that Mark and I had because we went down to Anarchapulco a few years in a row until it, we didn't anymore. But uh, but the, we had the same taxi driver. So we created a relationship with him and he told us some stuff. And I remember he was telling me about uh, a woman just being harassed by the police outside of a club at whatever time of day it was. She was drunk coming out of the club and they were threatening her. And if she didn't you know, do X, Y or Z, then they were going to arrest her and so on and so forth. And I, without I don't remember all the details, but that was kind of the gist of it. And I, I found myself thinking. If I were seeing that happen, like if I'm in Keene and something like that's happening, I pull out my video camera and, you know, I engage in whatever. Yeah, it might not be a good idea in Mexico, though. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I can do things here because, first of all, I speak the language. That helps. Secondly, I was born here. And so they can't just eject me like I'm not a guest. Thousands of liberty minded people coming to the same place means there will be some serious success stories and the fact that we have CACR 32 the New Hampshire exit amendment the constitutional amendment that has been put forth and has uh, had a public hearing that the three of us all attended we witnessed it It was three hours long of non-stop testimony in favor of independence there was only one guy who was just an average person there who spoke against it. Everyone else was in favor of independence. And then afterwards he was saying, oh, I, I think I'm seeing what you guys, where you guys are coming from. Was he really? Well, that's what I heard. I wasn't oh, there I for it. That. I had to leave early. Well, so that's one example of the fact that free staters have been elected here. Libertarians elsewhere, elsewhere cannot claim any significant amount or even an insignificant amount of state legislators in any other state. I believe there's like one libertarian legislator somewhere in Nebraska or something like that. And they it's only Wyoming. Maybe it's Wyoming. They only won because the um the Democrats and the Republicans it was like one of the other one or the other didn't run and so it was only a two-way race. It was him versus a Repub- I mean a Democrat, Democrat yeah, in, in a Wyoming district. Yeah. So that's how that person won that office. Here, the libertarians, a lot of them run as Republicans. Some have run as as Democrats and won that way as well. But we run a lot of them in the the main parties. If you want to be where there are more libertarians than anywhere else per capita, and even probably raw numbers at this point, 
New Hampshire is that place. And it doesn't matter if you want to be, as Mark said, oh, you got to be a total activist. No. Some people just move here and they settle in and they raise their family and they go and they vote. A lot of people do that. And they don't do much else, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, and that's okay. You know what? They're, they're having a better life because New Hampshire has been rated as the number one place to raise a family. Why is that? Well, number one, it's one of the most safest places. It's probably the safest. You know, New Hampshire and Vermont kind of compete for the safest place as far as violent crime is concerned. And not being uh, having to be brainwashed by the state is a huge one that hasn't even been factored in yet. When you say that, what do you mean? Um, the what are they called? The you know schools. The, you know the thing that New Hampshire came out with, so you don't have to go to public school. Oh, yeah, the savings, education savings accounts. That's really new, too. That just started. That's what I'm saying. It didn't even get factored in yet. And you know what? Even I've heard some good things. I am usually talk a lot of smack about public schools. Mm-hmm. I've recently heard some good things about a particular public school up in the North Country. Here's a story from, this is the... Conway Daily Sun. This is one of the northern New Hampshire newspapers in a, I don't know if it's a letter to the editor or it's kind of on the long side, so I'm guessing it's actually an editorial piece uh, by a woman named Jonna Carter. She lives in Center Conway, and she writes this. New Hampshire State House is harboring a festering variant, one for which we desperately need a vaccine. I'm not talking about Omicron, nor its subvariant BA2. Our state government has been infiltrated by an alien cancer known as the Free State Project. That's so offensive to like people who have gotten cancer to just right? be like, people who I don't like politically are cancer. That's a great point, Bonnie. That's it's like also being dehum- like a, uh, I don't know, it's like being like a little troll online. It's also dehumanizing to yeah. call someone an alien cancer, kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, dirty Jap or whatever. Like, yeah. all right, well, let's start genocide against the Free Staters now. They're yeah. not even humans. Yeah, like when there was this girl that was going crazy. I don't even know if it's really her actual opinions. Who's a um, a native here, and she was saying that you guys are invading. I was just like, wow. Say that. Uh, tell that to the Native Americans if your your mm-hmm. family's been here this whole time. And these same people are generally advocating for things like open borders and allowing Mexicans to migrate here, which I think is great. I don't have an issue with that. If you live anywhere else besides New Hampshire and you're a libertarian activist, does this ever happen where you live? Hmm. Does anyone ever write any letter to the editor or editorial piece for a local newspaper about libertarians? You know what they say. All publicity is good publicity. And the fact that they have, they feel they have to do this. It shows that it's working. Is an acknowledgement that we have had a tremendous impact, not just the fact that we've been elected, but that they are scared of what we're accomplishing in New Hampshire. Because the free staters are the vote tying, uh, whatever you want to call it, they they can break any tie, right? Because if there's X number of uh, Republican status and X number of Democrat status and one side wants to pass a bill... Well, they got to have the free staters because if they're both going against one another, the Republicans and the Democrats, if the free staters want to kill the bill, then they vote to kill it and it's dead. If they want the, the bill to pass, they vote to pass it and it passes. That's that's what you can do with just 10 percent of the state house. But going on, she says the objective of the free staters is not merely to divest us of personal freedoms, but to divest us of our nation. They've relocated to New Hampshire to become a force in state government, their ultimate goal being secession from the United States. 
CACR 32 is the first major political step uh, that any state has taken towards an independence movement. We understand our chances are pretty poor. The, the odds are the establishments on both the left and the right are going to swing into uh, to play against this thing. But the funny thing is, even though both the left and the right on this committee that we all sat in front of and a couple of us spoke in front of, uh, this uh, Federal Relations Committee voted 21 to 0, meaning every single Republican and Democrat on the committee. It's, you know, it's almost half and half. It's like, you know, if the Republicans are in charge of the state house, they'll be 12 out of the 22 and the other 10 will be Democrats. So they all voted against this thing. But yet one of the Democrats, Representative Israel Piedra, tries to still tries to make it sound like, they're more against secession than the Republicans. He said, quote, the committee discussion was eye-opening and very troubling. Some Republican members were more concerned with whether secession could be successfully implemented than with the concept itself, unquote. According to Piedra, committee chair Al Baldessaro, quote, agreed with the concept of secession and lamented that a sufficient plan does not currently exist to carry it out. Yikes, says the author. Sylvia noted that so th- this person just wants people to be anti-secession without thinking about it at all. Of course, you, you just need to be anti-secession and not think about why or how it would work. In a good year, federal funding contributes to a third of the New Hampshire state budget. After as- we give it to them, right. And then they give it back. They give they a give fraction part of it, of it back. Yeah. It's like being grateful for your tax returns. Like, oh, thank you so much what for these tax returns. What would I do without returns? you? Yeah. Add COVID to the mix, and this is upped significantly. Representative Tim Horrigan called the secession movement un-American, pointing out that it defies the oath of office. Every elected official, upon their swearing in, is required to take the oath, a catchy little ditty that goes, quote, I blank solemnly swear that I will bear faith and true allegiance to the United States of America and the state of New Hampshire and will support the Constitution thereof. And then it could just be changed when we left. In conclusion... If if it looks like an insurrectionist, swims like an insurrectionist, and quacks like an insurrectionist, it's probably a free stater. Oh, my God. Well, insurrection involves violence violence, uh, by definition, so that's ridiculous. CACR 32 does nothing but promote a simple, peaceful, nonviolent vote on this question. It is not a vote on secession. This is something that many of these state reps do not understand. Certainly many of the people who are looking at it do not understand. A state representative is not violating their oath of office by putting something on the ballot that the people requested. You're talking about the Ninth and Tenth Amendment of the Constitution. A lot of people bring that up that, you know, powers not, you know, enumerated in the Constitution are reserved for the states. But one thing that, uh, Almost, I haven't heard, really heard anyone talk about is uh, Article uh, One, Section Ten of the Constitution actually lists um, all the powers the states have. I, I'm sorry, all the things the states are prohibited from doing. Okay. So mm-hmm. it says things like they can't uh, issue currency unless it's in gold and silver, mm. and uh, things like this. What it doesn't list anything about you know a state leaving the union or or independence or anything along those lines. So if if it was prohibited by the Constitution. You know, for a state to leave, uh, certainly they would put it in there. Wow, Great point. that's such uh, a good point. Yeah, solid. I haven't heard anybody mention that. But yeah, what about the uh, oath? What about what about uh, the people who say you swore an oath of allegiance to the United States, so therefore you can't even uh, vote for a constitutional amendment that would allow the people to vote? So uh, yeah, a couple of things. One, um, if 
you know, if someone has a problem with the government and they and they want to run for office, you're you're obligated to give the oath, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no one could just like say, well, maybe you could, maybe you could not take the oath. But since it's a constitutional amendment, you're amending the thing that you gave an oath to. So it's it's impossible for it to be, uh, you know, against the constitution if it's an amendment to the constitution. So I thought I'd uh, touch base a little bit on secession because I think y'all are actually approaching it from the wrong way. Really? Secession is not about legality. It's just fundamentally at odds with legality. So even if you were to say the Constitution does not specifically prohibit secession, right? The whole point of secession is that you're extricating yourself from that Constitution. When the U.S. seceded from Great Britain, like we were very much legally bound to the crown, right? Yeah, that's a good point. The, the, the crown said you can't do that, and, well, the Americans did. And we said, yeah, we have our own legal system that says you can't now. So that is the point of secession, is that you are extricating yourself from one legal session or, or system. Yeah, you make a good point. The, but the reality is, once you start talking about secession, people love to bring up the Constitution, and and even under the Constitution, it still is allowable. Well, and to me, it wouldn't it make... It wouldn't make sense if the Constitution said that we weren't allowed to secede from the Union, considering that's how America came about, right? That's what he's saying, So Yeah, yeah so we already did that, so why would our Constitution not let us do it again? You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.